All right. Take two. Sorry. What's up, guys? John Tetez here, Cutter Nation Baseball. We're at number 92. I wish I hit 92 yesterday. That would have been the highlight of the day. Um, but I did not. I got close. Um, but anyway, first, website's going great. Apparel's doing awesome. We got hats still in stock if you want some. Shirts. Um, we're releasing a new shirt coming up. We're pretty excited about. We've actually had a, the design on deck uh, for a little while, but we should be getting that here soon. So we're excited. So check the website for that. But without further ado, for the second time, the champion of the debate against Cutter Nation, Dustin Peace. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Not too bad, guys. Good to see you guys again. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure we would call it champion. It was more of like a Hey, let's have a little discussion. I think we were all kind of like a little bit taken off guard <laughs> by how it was going to go, but no, that was it. Was all good stuff. It was. I t I did tell Kenny I really like it. I think it's a great idea, and and I think it's just I think if he can keep refining it, um, I would like to do. He offered us to go on the use their platform, and I definitely want to do that. I want, I John and I haven't talked about it very much, but yeah, that was fun. A lot of fun. So yeah, I agree. I thought it was. I thought it. I was talking on our own podcast about it. I mean, I feel like it has a lot of uh, potential to be like really, really good in terms of like the, the way people can kind of put their own content out and the way you can kind of like create like a creative way to educate, you know, everybody's own viewpoints. I think it's, it is kind of uh, clever how he's putting it together. So hopefully it kind of keeps ironing itself out. Yeah, it's, yeah. I totally agree. The, the, um... The conversations between the trainers sound to sound to be like the most valuable in the trenches to the people and a lot of our our clients that follow our podcast and and they're, they're always saying man I, that was that was so educational i had no idea you know we were talking about you know san diego area earlier um and and how we just don't see a giant there's not a giant facility there's not like a dbat or something like that here and it's just rather intriguing that that's not here yet so um but anyway um without Further ado, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience, um, besides the fact that you beat us? <laughs> well, let's, we'll, we'll go with a quote unquote on that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, my name's Dustin Pease. I uh, created Location Nation a few years back, but um, I uh, basically was a left-handed pitcher. I went on to play uh, Division One baseball for Mount St. Mary's University in the Northeast Conference. It's a smaller Division One out here on the East Coast, uh, here in Maryland. And uh, from there, I was uh, I was unfortunate uh, didn't get did not get drafted. Went on to go play some indie ball for uh, for four years and um, try to continue my career that way. And uh, from that point, I got picked up from San Diego uh, by the Padres and kind of rounded out my career, finishing it with them, uh, making it up to Double A um, as a left-handed pitcher. So uh, you know, kind of had a career with that. And then after that, after baseball was over, I went on to go coach back in my alma mater. So I got to go back and be a pitching coach at uh, Mount St. Mary's for a couple of years and worked with the pitching staff there. And um, that's kind of how location nation kind of started cr getting created in my mind. I kind of like started seeing the interaction with pitchers and the industry and the culture of the game and then their ability to produce outs. And there's just that like kind of constant internal struggle with where they were mentally. And I just feel like I wasn't the only coach out there that was dealing with this. Um, you know, trying to develop players, trying to develop them from like a metric, like a measurable standpoint, but also trying to produce outs. It's like a, it's like a tricky thing to kind of manage both ends. So I felt like I wanted to kind of had a bigger message and I uh, wanted to write a book and got that book written. Uh, kind of was fortunate enough to build a pretty decent social media following. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> 
Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I was actually looking um, just on your, uh, I just YouTube to see if I could uh, show everybody what your mechanics look like because uh, for what I've cut, what I've, uh, I don't know if I created this or where I heard it, but it doesn't matter. You're a unicorn. You're a, a left handed city. like that. There's there's not a whole lot of you out there. Left handed you know, what? Rare breed. Left handed submariner. Oh. He's coming from down under, little little deception, little stuff. So I don't know if you know this, but I threw sub a year in college. Um, yeah. So no offense to your career, but I hated it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just never threw in a meaningful game. And it was like this weird experiment where a guy with us got the yips and they, they were trying to teach him how to do a shortstop throw. And I was like, grew up doing that my whole life. And then I got baited into yeah, you should do that. And then, <laughs> and then I just like never threw in games. I was like, what the heck? This is, this is a terrible decision anyway. Um, so uh, from your perspective, right? Like ha ha that transition is interesting to me. And I feel like there's some, some, some meat there for, for our audience. Um, how about the history of when, when did you convert? Cause not everybody starts down there, right? Like I've never yeah. actually, I've never heard of anybody starting down. There. Yeah, no, like I'll because I give instruction, so I don't sit there and be like, "Oh, we're gonna do sidearm." Like that's just what we're gonna do. No, like uh, I mean, and again, my slot was identified, guess, differently by lots of different scouts. So it was anything from low three quarter to submarine, and it just depends on what they wanted to list me at that day. But going back to where it all began, I mean, I, I started taking pitching lessons in eighth grade, um, and I probably I made the transition towards the end of that year. So it was still like within that same year. And um, it's an interesting story because I'm, I'm not a very big guy. So I'm not very physically intimidating. I was five foot eight when I started taking lessons. I was a scrawny dude. My family wasn't very big. I didn't think I was going to get very big. The doctor said I probably wasn't going to grow a lot. I loved pitching. I loved baseball. And I, and I knew really at a young age, I just wanted to fully commit to pitching. Like, and I wanted to be a big league. I think that was my ultimate goal. So, um, my pitching coach happened to be the uh, batting practice thrower slash bullpen catcher for the Orioles. His name was Tom Vaith. He's actually still like, he was still a coach in independent ball. That's kind of how I got my any ball uh, opportunity. But um, he was a, uh, he obviously when you're, when you're working with somebody who's like at the major league level and obviously he wasn't a player, but he's around that type of culture all the time. He kind of saw the way the, the game was kind of shifting towards like some specialty type routes and like trying to, Come, you know, just lefties come in, getting guys out, and uh, the deceptive factor. And um, you know, for me, I was like, I gotta, I gotta stand out. Like, there has to be something that I do that will make me stand out more than everyone else. And I wasn't gonna be the guy that throws ninety six. I just knew I wasn't gonna be able to reach that speed, or I, or I felt like I wasn't gonna be able to reach that speed. So I needed to do something different. Um, and I know I'm, I'm super young. I'm in like eighth, ninth grade. I'm like making this decision. He kind of made it seem like it was a big decision, but. Um, I decided to do it. So I was like a freshman in high school, like fully committed to like throwing sidearm. And um, wow. yes, yeah. yeah. So at least in at least in the stories that I've heard, right? Because yeah. the traditional sidearm guy would be couldn't cut it over the top, right? And he may make it into college, and then that transition. So you're doing it that much earlier, which would make sense. I mean, like knowing what we know now about time spent inside of the skill, I'm sure that was a massive advantage for you as you went through, right? Like you got to, you got to work out some bugs and, you know, no offense to the high school game, but to in a low risk situation. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. I took like, I was like that guy, you know, we're about the same age. I was like 
totally obsessed with the, with the mechanical aspect of it, like what I was trying to create and like the aesthetic that we wanted it to look like. And I'm out there with my, my camcorder with a flip thing out, like doing five <laughs> pitches, going back, looking at it, recording five pitches again. I'm like, man, if I had a cell phone back then, it would have been so much more efficient. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad, when I was figuring it out, my dad was, you know, started on the video thing. And I just remember being like, all right, there's this tape. I got this little tape now. <laughs> right. What do I do with this? So but that, that's super interesting. So you go, you go through college, right? Like, um, can you explain your role in college? Like, as far as, you know, like you said, you were, you were thinking deception situational. Um, I, I find that part of how the game is when you have a unicorn like yourself and you're going to be set up against left-handers, you know, what, what's your plan? I know my dog is going crazy. Right now. Oh, I don't hear her, but you keep saying unicorn. I'm laughing at unicorn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's true. I mean, that's, I don't know. I'm, I was, I was all in in college with, you know, the twos, the unicorns, all the fun stuff. And so like when we saw when playing in a division two, you see some weird things in division two, like you see some crazy mechanics and stuff. So you were to pop out of that. I'd be like, oh, of course, you know, <laughs> well, again, but that, that's kind of like the whole idea I was going for anyway. I was like, I need yeah. to be like, I need to stand out because there's, yeah. you know, when we're looking back at like the end of my career, it was like pretty much how I would have envisioned it. There's I'm standing around like a bunch of dudes that look like trees, you know, six foot four, six foot five, and I'm like the little dude there that somehow made it to that level. There, you know, I it was by design. It was I needed yeah. to stand out. So um, I I think that strategy of the game is so important. Um, by the way, uh, taking if we if we were to just transplant you into Major League Baseball, it would just I think it would just be so good. You can see it in the KBO where they have all these dudes that throw like. They'll bring in, they'll start a guy on purpose. It's a lefty throwing like 80 and, and he'll just come out cruising and he's just like flipping sixties and 65s and seventies up there. And then all of a sudden they bring in a Dominican dude and he's throwing a hundred and you just see everybody's so late the rest of the game. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we, we were talking speed differential in that. And that's, I just find that so, so intriguing, you know, of like, cause that's the game. That's the game. It's like, of course, we'd all love to throw a hundred, but for those that can't, like we got to make it dance. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. how old were you when you made your debut? And John, tell us better to f off. All right, hold on. <laughs> go ahead. Well, how old were you when you made your debut? Debut with who? Uh, uh, Padres. So San Diego. Well, so again, just minor. I didn't make it to the major leagues, but um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so with San Diego. Sure, I, I, sorry, I thought I thought you said you did go. Okay, that's right. You, no, just, no, no, you no. just got picked up, right? That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So okay. like elsewhere, so I think uh, that was 2011. They they signed me from Wichita, which was in the American Association. Got it. Oh, I I when I remember I looked at that. I remember to ask you a question. The Lowey brothers. Did you play with the Lowies? Oh my gosh, it sounds so. Fun. Yes, yes. They I played with them. I played with one of them. He was in Windy City. The other one, only that guy. That was, was Josh. Josh, he's he's in Mexico right now. Like he's really, L, he's L. Ray in Mexico. So he and I grew up together. We went and yeah. played in the same little league. We played catch together, both of them. And then his old uh, older brother, um, by minutes, uh, his twin brother uh, played in the Braves organization um, for a little bit, and he threw he threw gas too. One of the, I can't remember what pitch it was, and I actually can't remember what what. I think it was – I'm not sure who was with me in Windy City. He had a nasty, nasty breaking ball. I can't remember if it was yeah, a slider or, or a Five ten, five ten, banger. Yeah, Hammer. yeah. It was uh, he's, 
Dude, he's he's a legend down there. I, he's got a nickname. He's on the you know, he's big league. He's he's El El Rey. That's that's what they call him, El Rey Lowy. That's awesome. It was crazy to see show up to the stadium when we played them on the road, and he's literally like on the banner, and I'm like, bro, like you you me and your brother in the outfield at twelve, like it's crazy to come back to this full circle, you know. That's crazy. Anyway, that's that's yeah, awesome. Here he's still playing. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Small world, right? Yeah, for sure. Baseball, baseball world definitely seems to connect all of us there. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I want to get a little bit more into your business and like you know what the philosophy is there and, and try to get into some training movement <laughs> ideas and see what your plan is. I may have to go yell at my dog again real quick. But anyway, Cass, can you take over with yeah. me on that? Real quick? Yeah. yeah, I actually have something pretty specific you triggered earlier just talking about um, having the, the pitching coach experience. Mm. Um, that alone, um, I think there's a lot of – I think there's a lot of guys that are in the, in the cage and then there's a lot of coaches on the field and they think that those are different things. And I don't think they're different at all. And I think that divide is actually really unhelpful for a lot of people. And I think it's becoming more obvious that pitching side is just by nature, it seems. Uh, we're, we're a lot more open to communication where even Kenny was talking about getting these hitting guys together is almost impossible. Like they're going to kill each other. Yeah, and are. it's crazy. Um, but, you know, I'm curious how much that – that influences you know that that experience of having to go on the field and how much in the training that is right um because in in all fairness you know this is the part that john and i like that's the one thing that i have on you <laughs> and i never bring it up i don't even think about it but i think that's a perspective that i want to create more space in my in my training and it looks weird in training settings but i know it's applicable to on the field stuff you know what I mean? And like maintaining that narrative is important to me. So anyway, I'm curious your thoughts on that in your training. So, I mean, yeah, I guess from, if you, when you, when you look at like how we kind of fully develop people, I mean, I, I kind of tend to side on the, the holistic side, you know, I'm not, we don't do like a lot of crazy different things with, with, with the stuff that's going on. I'm not saying everything out there is crazy. We just kind of tend towards more like long toss J bands real elaborate type of, uh, I guess it's getting loose, like very, very easy stuff, like uh, plyometric stuff, getting loose with, with things like that. Um, we do have pre and post routines. Um, we don't, we don't beat a dead horse with them. Um, I love long toss because I feel like it's very, uh, it allows, it's one of the few things that allows you to continually target through intensity increments. Um, even though the distances aren't still as representative as of pitching, you can still target while using more intensity. So, um, you know, we do a lot of long toss there, but um, the transitional aspect of, of pitching and um, I guess what you would consider development, I think that's like the main, you're right, you hit the nail on the head. Because like, I think when I'm on social media, we got a lot of guys who just love to study like biomechanics and, and throwing. And they like to study like how guys move and how, how they're using energy. And, and that's all fine. And people, some guys are like really good at that. Like they're ex like excellent at that. Um, but they might not have any idea how to pitch to a certain guy or like how to like use change speeds or like just operate in the game. Like that's when, like to, a, when to bring in a unicorn. <laughs> sure. Sure. That, um, 
and and that's and that's okay. Like that's okay. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think that's that's something that I mean I might come off in a bad way sometimes. Like, but I feel like lately I've been trying to like just put out there like, listen, it's okay if all you want to study is biomechanics. Some of the coolest biomechanists I've met have admitted that like, but some some certain types of biomechanics like they just can't explain why this guy's putting out that much output. He's not moving the way that they would say is efficient. So it's like. Even they contradict themselves within like even what they're doing. And it's just like, I, I like that. I like when guys are questioning a lot of things that they're doing because it, it, it just at least reminds you that things are being grounded. But for me, I just like to just do action. I guess simply put, I kind of just want to do action, like long toss. If you want to throw harder, you got to throw more. You got to throw with more frequency. You got to get a lot of workload, a lot of distance. You got a lot more pitches on the mound. Like just do more. Um, do more of the actual task that you want to do, like more throwing, more long toss, more flat grounds, more bullpens, and then you can change the environment or the, the the constraints that you're putting in those bullpens. You can make it more pressure oriented. Um, you can make it more representative. You can bring in a batter. You can do an L screen. You can create crowd noise. Like all that stuff is kind of cool with with getting guys to translate all their throwing or maybe biomechanics into that that functional type of way. So that might've seemed like a lot, but <laughs> these are kind of things. That's just kind of the way that I'm thinking, like with how we kind of translate guys, but I don't pitch. I'm not a pitching coach anymore. Like I'm actually back yeah. in the cage. We're developing. Yeah. Us too. Oh shit. You got um, a phone call probably. Um, and we, we should just tell him to stay back from the mic. He sounds really good away from his mic. Um, I was going to, so like, um, assuming we can just wait for him to come back in. Um, yeah, so I've if you follow him on Twitter, he talks a lot about he, he's defending the the um, importance of like we always talk about skill acquisition. It's just volume, it's volume, it's volume. And then he's just really good at breaking that down and and talking about um, you know when we have skill acquisition, this is how the brain operates, right? This is kind of the the natural instinct that your body has. And if you're not paying attention to that and measuring your accuracy on a nonstop basis, it has huge poor implications. And so I, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things um, that I find myself thinking about, you know, considering his argument is there are people who do run and guns and, and they're, they're, it's just like the guys who chase bat speed right? It's, it's like there are, you have to understand the movement in order to create bat speed authentically, right? You can just spin and create a ton of bat speed. It doesn't help you hit the ball, right? And you can do the same exact thing throwing. You can get really, really rotational and, you know, it's not going to feel very good, but you're going to light up the gun. And, and this is, I mean, you see this in the North so much more, right? Because, it's, it's less common for them to throw as much as the kids down uh, south, right? And so you see them go show up to a showcase on the weekend, boom, blow it out, okay? And then they don't throw until the next showcase. And, th and that's like they're kind of playing catch, but they're not like feeding the arm. They're not doing the things that, you know, he talks about the importance of long toss. Like this is you, you build the arm by being a thrower all of the time. It has to be who you are. Um, and, and it probably can just be summed up with that, you know, and so, um, to shoot off and to just keep going with things. This is why, this is why I'm so excited about the synapse, right? This is why I'm so excited yeah. about like pitch logic and synapse. 
those two things at the field, like that's crazy. And um, I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it, but who cares right now? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just such a, it's such a good thing um, because it's, I can put it anywhere. Right. And so I can put myself in those positions and, and the, the better we get at training, the less we're asking of baseball players to do things that are not baseball oriented. You know what I mean? Be a baseball player through and through and through train yourself to be that. And that's going to turn you like you talked about, you talked about a holistic approach that's going to make you make sure that you're functioning. Right. Like, but I don't know. I've just been seeing, uh, a lot of Instagram videos and just like, dude, kids are jacked juniors and seniors in high school right now that are listening to the people. They're huge. And it's good because like that qualifies you into that. Yeah. I'm just, you just caught me in the middle of talking about how big uh, a lot of high school athletes are. So you see two things going on. You see the kids. um, I, I was in, I was working in a very affluent community in Minnesota. Do you hear us Dustin? Yep. John. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin, if yeah, you could just good. back away from the mic just a tad, you were, you were sounding real good right there. Yeah. I know yeah, yeah. I get jacked up too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway, we were just talking about, you know, I was uh, just kind of telling the audience a little bit about how I've seen your narrative. Um, and, and, and it's made me think about like, okay, yes, I totally agree. I think people are chasing things like bat speed. And I think people like up in, up in Minnesota, I see a lot of the, these kids don't actually have a throwing program, but they show up to these, these showcases to throw as hard as they possibly can in the game. They really don't care if they get people out. And the way that they move to achieve those velocities is not how they're going to move when they try to then go pitch in that Wednesday night game, you know, or whatever it is. So I like, I totally get that argument. Um, and then I was just also talking about how um, I know some kids like juniors and seniors in high school that have been listening to the people that are saying get huge the the Dr. Heenans of the world who I'm not I'm not I'm just saying I'm noticing these kids are huge right and and sometimes you see like the kids will oh that kid gained weight a little bit too fast wonder how he's going to react to that and like the balance of it all but um you know I think the positive is kids are are understanding to take this stuff seriously at a young age and then it's our responsibility to make sure that like they're getting good information and we're pu- putting it out there because I don't know that you need to look like a middle linebacker. And that doesn't, I, I that's changed. I've changed my tune on that. Right. Because I want to be like a freaking cat. I want to be a ninja. Right. And it, it's both, right. It's both. I, the strong guy says that, right. I've, I've achieved the strength. You know what I mean? I talk about that a lot. I mean, I, I talk about, I mean, I, I, I was in the weight room. Like I did what I always did, what was asked of me. I got myself as an SNA, like through high school, I like speed and agility. I was in the weight room. Like I, I always did what was asked of me, but I never truly felt like the weight room made me good at throwing or made me a good thrower and never made me a good pitcher. It was just something that made me physically able. I mean, I was already physically able. I felt like I had everything I needed without the weight room. And that was, that's just my opinion. And that's because that's just my experience. And I, I try to like ground myself on that as much as I can and not speak too much on it. Cause people, a lot of people love the weight room, you know, and I get to, one of the, one of my best friends in life is that one of the trainers is the trainer I met in San Diego. And we would have this discussion all the time. I'm like, I didn't get here because I got strong. I got here cause I was good at pitching. I got here cause all I did was throw. I threw a lot. I threw more than everyone else. 
while everybody else is in the weight room, I was throwing. Like, Me too. Like that's that's why I felt like I, I sighed so much on that, that aspect of it because I feel like that's what's most important. And it might seem kind of weird, but, I mean, I think about, like, the Dominicans or, like, the Hispanic culture. Like, and they don't have all that access, and all they have is a baseball or whatever it is that they're throwing – and they do that all the time. And you're like, wow, is this dude so small, hucking the ball so fast, so hard? It's like, well, there's like, there's that passion, there's that, that emotion, there's that drive to get away from where he is. And he's going to go do it all the time. And there's no pitch counts, there's no whatever. It's just go out there and tell your body what you need it to do a lot or frequently or often. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, again, I'm more on the holistic side. I just feel like if you want to do action better, go do that action, optimize your body mentally, cognitively, neurally to do that action faster. Just like you said, like a cat, like you want to move quick, you want to move fast and your body will fire those circuits faster. You know, the conduction velocity, the way that we move, like I, I kind of like, I said when I was young, I was like, I'm never going to throw 95. Looking back, like if I knew what I knew now, I, might, I probably would give myself a chance to, if I really, really knew that maybe I could have. Um, thrown from like maybe a higher slot. And I did later in life, I hit 92 in a bullpen at a higher arm slot. I didn't know that would have, I had, I would have never guessed that nobody ever knew I threw that speed. I very rarely talk about it, but what could have been, I don't know. I, but I knew my arm didn't feel very good. And it wasn't a strike, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's just things like that. I don't know. Sorry. I go on tangent sometimes, but um, no, I, I, I love what you said, man. I, I, yeah. Quick. Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> have the best information. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so go John. No, I was going to say, I, I, I just, I find that just super interesting. Cause I remember the debate in my head after I dropped down and then I, I abandoned it because like they released me. So I was like, well, you know what, what in the world, you know? Um, and so I went back for a summer and tried to figure it out. And I did both actually through the top and summer. this whole system where like, the catcher is like, all right, you put a one down first, that means over the top, put a two down second, it means down low. That way we knew. Cause I like, I was like, all right, I'm going to throw every pitch I can from every arm slot. And I just want the catcher to be ready for whatever I'm going to do. So I'm like stepping across my body and just ripping Frisbees, you know, just doing everything I possibly can to get the most break. And then the more I divulge in that, I just started realizing like, man, this is just like, too hard to keep my skills up with all of these. I need to condense it down, yeah. you know? And so that I, I find that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hilarious. If you would have known, right. If you, if you right started back at the beginning of your pro career, it was like, if I just throw a heater from here and I'm like at 90 and then I drop down and come to this, you know, like that's full David Cohn. If you remember him from the, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, like he was, Dude, him, El Duque, like there's so many pitchers, LeVon Hernandez from back in the day that were like, you know what? Like the EFIS was like a normal thing. Like people are like, sure, here you go, Barry Bonds. Like we know you hit almost 400 in the 90s, man. I think uh, for uh, <laughs> I think for me, like you just kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Like you're like switching slots and you're like toying with it in like the middle of your career. And it's like, it's scary. It's like, I don't like, I want to be comfortable. Like, I don't want to be like trying things out right now. Like I want to be dominating right now. Yeah. Like, and that's why like something as simple for me, like I didn't have, a, I didn't have a slide step. I only had a high leg kick. And I, I was in double A without a slide step. I was getting run over all day long. Like I couldn't, I could not hold runners in left hand. And I like, could not hold runners. Away. And I just wasn't comfortable doing a slide step. That's a, just something simple like that. Yeah. So like, 
changing arm slots, changing this and that. I can't even imagine what that what, – I would never even entertain that idea. That's why I said I did it in a bullpen just to see what would happen. But no way I would do that in a game. I would – got to do what feels right, feels comfortable, and makes it feel good. Totally. So, okay, so here, here I'm going to – that thing right there, okay? I'm like, I can fix that now. As a, as a, gosh, if you're 15 or older, I can tell you with movement why that doesn't work for you, why you're struggling with that, okay? That that being, do you want to know? That do you being want the, to know? The slides, you, you, the leg slides thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, this like at, if you're 15, Dustin, if, do you want? Do you, at what point in your career do you want to know that? Oh, I want to know. Do you do? I would have wanted to know. In the beginning, when I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't introduced to me till like later in life, which that obviously earlier is better, I think. So, I mean, totally. what's, what's, what's the, that's what I'm trying to get at is where's that line? How old do you have to be where you're just like in your mind? Um, to learn a slide step? Sure. Is or that just like to be, well, because I'm, because it's like, I'm wondering like how, oh, yeah, because because that's that's a movement thing. So this is one right. of the things where you were talking about, like if I have if I have if I cannot throw strikes, I'm not gonna have a movement thing help me throw strikes, right? And so, uh, okay. or I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm misstepping on this, but I'm trying to like understand how you think about that because I'm over here going, I know exactly why you can't slide step. I don't even have to see you throw a ball. Like I already understand why that would be uncomfortable for you why you would need that leg kick so do you want to learn how to do that and then why or why not because i'm the guy that's like hey i'm i'm tiger woods i'm gonna change my swing 17 times i'm gonna figure like that's where my head's at because i'll do anything anything to be better i think for me i just i was too stubborn to change my to change away from what my like the way i molded my my motion for for to go back to a lot of the stuff i say that doesn't mean that I couldn't have thrown strikes and been really good at throwing it with a slide step. I think uh, having a variety of ways to, to use your mechanics could still be super consistent, but I didn't train myself to do that. Like John was saying, like he was experimenting with different arm slots. Somebody could be a badass at that. Like they could be really good at like changing slots and painting corners. Like that takes a lot more work and dedication though. It has to be your goal. Have you seen the blitz balls kids? Yes. <laughs> that's that's where that's where I think it's that that's where I think it's like oh okay because that explains movement it explains you know it yeah. over exaggerates movement on the pitch too yeah. and you can really start doing some crazy fun stuff and and um, you know we we've talked about it you know with the younger kids that if you if you set it up in a play situation where they're just trying to go after each other you could just do so much more and really have kids fall in love with the game because like. You can't make a baseball do a twelve foot breaking ball and come down and nick nick the corner of the zone. You know, even the way that they have set up and decided what the strike zone in definitely seems almost more fair than when you play baseball because of this other person that we all know is some form of biased, whether it's fifty one percent, forty nine, or or ninety, eighty, or he's a homer or whatever. But that that person seems to be the matchu and. I know it flipped edge. Like there was one. Did you see that one? I think it was on Pitcher Nation the other day. The kid's completely inverted underneath it. Throws like this nasty two seam and it like catches the backside corner of it. And then you see the hitter. He's like, oh, well, you know, so yeah. 
if, if you were to go back and you had a blitz ball, do you, what, what, how do you think that that would have affected, you know, your thought process and dropping down? Cause I remember seeing movement way more down there when I was doing it and being like, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, well, just for what it's I mean, I played wiffle ball. Like, like it was like when it wasn't baseball, I was playing wiffle ball. So I was always playing with, with a wiffle ball. Well, not a blitz ball. That would have been so much more fun, but a wiffle ball, like, you know, the ones with the top, like just the whole yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The OG, the OG. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, I was like, obviously I would mess around with that. I was just out there having fun. But like for, again, yeah, I'm not sure if that would have changed the way I thought about it because obviously when you're doing that, you're just having fun and yeah, you're still throwing strikes. I guess I never really even thought about it like that, but it makes sense with all the stuff that I like to talk about. But when it came to put my pitching mechanics, that just wasn't the way I designed them. I didn't design them to be that variable. It was, you know, nobody, nobody really does. I mean, until like I didn't really start feeling like super comfortable until I stopped playing. Like I retired from baseball. Then I just started dicking around different mechanics. I'm like, I can do this. I can do that. Like this feels comfortable because, you know, there's not as much pressure. And it's like, then you kind of start getting comfortable. I think for me, it's just like more of like pressure really. And that's why I like to talk about pressure a lot. Pressure really changes the way you want to interact with your environment. It's like, all right, do I want to do this? I'm paying for a, pay- I'm playing for a paycheck now. I'm going to make sure I'm performing. Do I want to throw a knuckleball here when I've never thrown a knuckleball before? Like, you know, it's like it, it's like it really limits what the fun aspect of it, I guess, if that makes sense. I don't know. What do you guys think? All I can think right now is I want to know what your like <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to a cool way to say this. I want to know your Enneagram and I want to know your Myers Briggs stuff. I like I want to know your personality. Like I want to know how you classify that because what is so impressive is like, do you know, do you know those things, by the way? I don't. I've, I've heard of those things, but I don't know those things about myself. Well, so because you are so like, so true to what you want it to be like you, an eighth grade idea, like how romantic, seriously. Right. And like, and the fact that like, that is, it's just so unapologetic. That is so important for kids to see that part of it too. You know, no matter anything else, uh, that is such a huge part. Um, because if you can do that, if you can understand that at a young age, it's so valuable. It's so it's, it's weapon, right? It's how you can defend yourself in these situations. Like, and if somebody was going to break into that for you, they really had to get your trust. Right. And so that's so helpful. Um, but, but not everybody's like that. So then, you know, if the best version of me right, would be to make sure that I understand all of these things, I put them all together, but then I actually do the work to decide, because it's me, I, it, again, it comes down to me being exactly what I feel like, right, and so it's, it, it, how much is this epitomized, and when John, John literally yesterday goes, when I'm throwing, he goes, can I say something, and I go, no, <laughs> because, because I'm working, I remember what it felt like to feel good when I throw, and he doesn't know that. And, and so I need to like work on finding that feeling and then presenting that to him, you know, and where he's always, he's, he's, he, he can present anytime he wants. Like he never lost it. Um, and I had injuries. There are a lot of reasons why and he just gets it. He, he never stopped throwing great, you know, for a long time ago. And that's all it is, you know? So anyway, um, I don't know where I'm going with it. That, that that's all I got to say about that. You, you were telling me, telling everybody how good I was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I so, Dude, so you're with, such I a mama's boy. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my um, gosh! Speaking, that's what I was saying. Personalities. 
I was saying, I, I told John this too. And he's like, he, I need to know his number. So, so this is, I'll, I'll give my two cents on that one more time because he's a mama's boy and it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. He's an only child. And, and these things will, we'll bring it back to baseball somehow and like know your opponent, but um, I'm a four. And one of the things on the Enneagram about the four is I think I'm the only one. Like that's part of the thing. So like I'll, there'll be the, the joke <laughs> is that there's 50 of us. There's 50 people in a room and there's 10, Hey, fours stand up and there's 10 of us. And we're all looking at each other like that. That's a poser. Like that's not a four. Like, they're, they're like a, a five with a four wing or something like that. And it's just like this pretentious funny. And, but it's so helpful because now I get to laugh at that part of my personality. Yeah. So, because the, the bad part of that personality is like, Oh, woe is me. Right. I'm the only one that has all of these crappy things happening to me. I'm alone in this. And so knowing that about my personality, when I go there, I can go, oh, boom. And uh, by the way, this is this is where the game's going. And Ken Revisa was the beginning. And I'm this, this. And then um, so it's psychology and then understanding vision and vestibular systems better. That's that that's that's where it's going to actually start making sense. Because what we're talking about right now, in my opinion, Dustin, is you're a human being. That's the first thing. And, and that is what you were so good at being is you, you were exactly what you wanted to be. And you, you already said it, you got exactly where you thought you were going to get. Right. You know what I mean? Like the plan plan made it. Um, and, and that's just, yeah, that, that's, what's so cool. So the, the vision and the, the, that stuff, if you can't be balanced, I have terrible balance. I have terrible, I have, I literally, I shouldn't say this publicly, but I literally have an ear infection right now. <laughs> and, and I had tubes as a kid. I've ruptured my eardrums three times, like, and that connects me to my balance. So I close my eyes, I panic. That's, that's a human thing first. That has nothing to do with me being a baseball player. Right. So anyway. I agree. Enneagram. Was there a question in there or? Yeah, no, that was, uh, <laughs> it was all good balance stuff. Um, I had I had something too, and then I got I got distracted. Well, I called around. you a mama's boy. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there was something before that. Um, well, I'll say in the batter's box. That's my that's always my bring it back. Is you know the person, right? Yeah. So you look at John and you know what he is. You know what you thought of. Yes, that's what it was. It was so that cat. The part that I really find intriguing with Cass about that is there's a version of the game in this training, especially going to pitching coaches and stuff like that, that they try to change your strategy of the game. You being a unicorn and doing that, what was your what What were you trying to do? Like when you got because I know I kind of evolved my strategy from down there when I was playing because like you know eventually you're like well. When I throw the fastball, it gets smoked, right? So you start trying to figure out how to get it to move more and and do all this crazy stuff. Well, take me through that, like, you know, what were you trying to spin? How? What was your feeling? What What were your pitches like? Like, describe. I know we can't. I wish we had a highlight reel of you just, you know, beautiful camera, seeing all your pitches from there. But tell us, like, from down there, what were you? One, two, three, four. What do we got? Yeah. So you know, it's fastball, basically forcing fastball. Hold it with a. Where's my throwing ball here? I held a wide grip. I didn't hold it like close like that. I always held it wide. Mm -hmm. uh, and I held it wide because I felt like it gave me more control. Because like when you when you go to release a ball, if your fingers are close together, this is just the way my mind understood like like positioning and balance. 
you know, when, when the ball is coming out of your fingers and your hands like this or like that, it's like there's a potential that it might not be directly behind. So I always felt like my fingers were wider behind the ball. I could evenly have it come off my fingers. So that's why I always held a wide grip. Maybe that's why I threw three to four miles an hour slower than I, I should have. But um, and I down I do downplay my velocity a lot. Like I I threw you know I, didn't, I never threw hard, but you know I finished my career throwing eighty five, eighty seven. I always talk about myself throwing eighty, eighty two. Gas, by the way, from yeah, down there. Exactly. I, I got up to eighty six, and I was like, geez, like you know, right. it was nowhere close either. Right. <laughs> you know. So. Slurve change up. Um, scouts would call it a slider or a slurve. It, it, it was like it would kind of get tossed up in the air. If you look at some of the guys sent me scouting reports on me, and they would some would say slurve, some would say slider. Uh, that was my out pitch. That's something I, I kind of felt like I developed through into high school before I even got into college. It's just something that um that felt really good. I had really late movement and as well sorry, had a, a good amount of movement with late depth. Um so those are the ones I threw and you know I Coming in, uh, coming into college, I was 78 to 80, you know, and then graduating college, I was 83 to 85, and then pro ball, I was 85, 87, 84, 86. Um, but, no, for me, it was always like, I don't know, I just had, like, this weird thought. Like, even in college, I was like, all right, well, I have really good command. Like, I can throw the ball, like, where I want to throw the ball, like, when I want to throw it there. And I felt like I was able to do that at, like, 17 years old. So I would think to myself, like, I was like can major league pitchers do that? I would always think, like, can a major league pitcher throw it? Like, or is he that confident they can put the ball where he wants that often? Because I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I can get much better at that ability. So then I was like, now I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like that amazing because what happens is now we're talking about location. How am I going to use that skill? And I feel like that's what I, for the rest of my career, from college through pro ball, I was constantly learning where and why to throw pitches to certain locations. Like if I kept throwing fastballs low and away at the knees, I would give up opposite field home runs because that's just what would happen. The guys were just going to see it. They were going to hit it. So I, I had to learn how to utilize that skill. And I, I that's lefty learned. on lefty, right? That's what you're saying. Lefty on lefty. Oh, then lefty on lefty was this, that he, my pitching coach literally told me that when we made the switch, he's like, lefties are always outs. They're automatic outs. They get out. It's a no question, no brainer. You have to get them out every time. No walks, strike them yeah. out. Well, I'm sorry. I just when you said fastball away at the knees, I wasn't sure if you were righty or lefty there. I wasn't sure what you were. Righties. I mean, lefty. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really start getting uh, really any buzz back from lefties until pro ball throwing that pitch. Like, I mean, they. (laughs) I just threw. I just threw fastballs and sliders. If I got ahead in the count, I just threw sliders till they struck out. Like it was just. I just. That's just what would happen with the left. That's, that's what I was hoping you were gonna say. That's yeah. exactly what I was hoping you were gonna say. So that so that that thing right there, what you just said, right? You 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 experimented, right? I did the same thing. Okay, I threw this pitch. Well, that didn't work. I someone told me that was gonna work. It didn't work. Okay, let's let's try something else, right? And then when I was down there, I, like it's immediate. You know, I was told these rules by a uh, pitching coach we're gonna have on the podcast. Um, actually, Mike Clevenger's video of him throwing that banger slider that the catcher doesn't catch. That's at the junior college that my pitching coaches head coach at. So great spot over in Destin, Florida, Northwest Florida State. Shout out to you guys. But that being said, like he would just he would be like, "Look, when you enter the game, you're gonna throw two sliders in a row. Whoever the whoever the guy that comes in the game, you're probably gonna be right on right or left on left. But just plan on throwing two breaking balls, and that's what your mindset because that's what I'm gonna call. If you yeah. if you if you throw the first one and it's bad, you gotta commit to the second one." 
And so that's what I just, uh, you know, and so when I came in, I was just like, you, I was like, all right, I'm going to frisbee the crap out of this and then sneak in in a fastball and hopefully he'll be late, you know, and that kind of just started it where it was like frisbee, frisbee, fastball. And you'd try to, I don't know if I, I, I got, I went fast pitch in my brain and started trying to figure out how to do a rise ball and everything from there. And I, it was impossible to me. I just couldn't, it ended up just being like some like weird floating thing in the middle that got smoked. And like, <laughs> I'm like, this is just not, I don't think anybody could throw a raised ball from down here, you know? Um, so, well, that, that's great, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, your perspective right there, because it, it's, it's going to help our, audience understand like well, you, you, you wrote, don't you wrote have to book, throw fastballs yeah yes do you want to talk a little bit more about what's in the book um sure uh so basically the book kind of i mean there's <laughs> that's another reason why i started like started location nation like i would like go to look at like hey i want to like find some pictures that's some great command and you'd find them you know so you know who they are but you couldn't find any information and like well how do how do they get so good at that like and nobody ever talks about how they how they get good at it and I felt like that was like not not good. Like I feel like I, if I was younger and I wanted to take that route to like learn how to be more accurate, I would have loved to have like read a book from somebody who like maybe acquired the skill and like maybe the process they went through to do it. And I didn't have that was never there. And I and here I am at the end of my career, done pitching, and like there's still nothing out there where it's just totally dedicated towards like all these things that maybe I did through my whole like that a pitcher did through his whole life that helped them get really good at being accurate. So I figured, like, hey, let's put a book together. Let's let me go back in and like file all these things I have in my brain and, and my life experience that helped me build uh, build my my skill, as well as do a bunch of research on the brain and, and skill acquisition and, and, and ways that I felt like would make sense to like my experience um, without being mm. too, without being too biased. And uh, I felt like I was able to kind of keep a good level headed way to to kind of put that information into into writing and uh you know we did everything from repetition to the strike zone to visualization uh to bullpens to workload it's all in there um and uh it's just it's just a it's just something different you know and it's not definitely not the sexy thing that people want to buy you know i'm not i'm not selling books off the shelves but i just want to at least have there needs to be something out there for people to find if they want to get better pitching command you know and and potentially do it a different way. And some people just might want to do it a different way. And, and that might be the minority and, and that's okay. I'm totally cool with that. Well, I, don't, I think it's actually, you know, if you, could you go into a little bit because it's, it's extremely intriguing to me because well, I'll, I'll learn what side. you learned. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. exactly. Cause we're, you know, just like, yeah, what, what, could you sum it up for us? I, I know you don't want to give away the, you know, the information completely in the book, but like I, I'm completely intrigued and, this process because there's a lot of answers there. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I mean, it was, it was all about repetition, but it was all about like repetition of the task. So this kind of goes back to what maybe we kind of debated a little bit, you know, repetition of like, are you, can you produce the same outcome? You know, and, and so many people think that the, the physical movement or the way that they move, the, the identical ways in which they move are going to produce the outcome. And it's like, when you, when you think about your movement, you're not thinking about what you're trying to do. Um, and kind of goes back to just the blitz ball stuff. You can, you can, you can create the outcome you want. And what I mean by outcome is like if the target is a certain spot, you can hit that target over and over again with a variety of different mechanics. You could do that. Is that the goal of a baseball pitcher? Probably not. He's probably going to want to move in a way that he feels is comfortable and repetitive to him. Although we know when we look at these 3d models that we're not moving exactly the same way every, every single time, you know? So 
Um, but for me, it was just about repeating, 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 repeating. So massive amounts of workload combined with constant awareness of what you're doing, um, creating that internal uh, standard of excellence. So like, what are you trying to do? What is your constraint? Is it hitting the, is it actually hitting the glove? Is it getting it to that side of the plate or further? You know, are you executing your goal? Um, and for me, for me, it was hitting the glove. Like I was hitting the glove. There was no doubt about it. Like I, I had to hit the glove. It was no, there was nothing else that could be, because I knew that 81 wouldn't work unless I hit the glove where it needed to go. So that was just a logical thought for me as a high schooler. I was like, I need, just need to do this task over and over and over again. What um, the research, you know, myelination. So I like to talk about myelination, the way the body and the, sorry, the way the brain kind of optimizes movement. So um, myelination essentially insulates the circuits of, of the way we pattern our movement. So while I'm not really thinking about my movement, your brain is still insulating everything you're doing when you move to perform that task. So if I threw a ball to the glove and I saw that I executed that outcome and I do it over and over again, my body's, my mind is going to myelinate. It's going to myelinate everything I did to perform that task. Similar to a way a bowler would bowl a ball to knock down 10 pins or an ax thrower would to throw a, an ax at a target. You know, they're not thinking about their movement. They're thinking about what they did to do the task. So the myelination process is a way that the mind is insulating that circuitry to be able to replicate and do it over and over again. It also can help improve the um, efficiency at which we do it. So that's why I talk about like balancing. Like if I, if I spend a hundred pitches just trying to hit the glove by the hundredth pitch, personally, I feel like I'm going to be moving better than the first pitch because I've done it over and over and over again. And the mind is actually, at least from the research I found, is going to insulate those movements. So while I'm focusing on hitting the glove, hitting the glove, hitting the glove, I'm also, the mind is also insulating that movement. So I feel like by the end, I'm moving better for what it's worth. This isn't just a day's work, day's worth of work. I was throwing 100, 200 pitch bullpens daily. That might seem a little bit absurd or reckless, but I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about pitch counts. I didn't believe in any, any, any arbitrary amounts of pitches. I just knew what I, again, the holistic side of it. I just was going to listen to my arm, what I felt like. And that might seem really strange as a high schooler, but I, that's just the way I felt like I wanted to give up my business. So um, lots of repetition, lots of uh, task, and the brain is like what really helps you do most of it. I mean, I'm not sure if that was enough or not enough, but I could continue. Oh, I think so it was great. The, yeah, I got a lot to I have too. a question. The sure. myelinations part, I don't even know if I know how to ask the question right, but it's like, is there some sort of then you're basically saying you can't, you can't be focusing on these movements anyway, because you're, you should be focusing on the task, right? So your body's accomplishing this task. Isn't there then a, um, like a summation of that? Okay. Your body goes, Oh, that was me holding the bowling ball and I made it go to the pin like I just thought about putting my fingers in the bowling ball and walking and throwing. Like I'm, I'm curious about what is the, what is the bot? You know what I mean? Like what's yeah, the yeah. summation? Yeah. So I guess maybe, maybe the part you're really trying to ask is like, well, how do you, how are you making adjustments? And for me, the only adjust, the only mechanical adjustment would be your release point. So your hand and your hand position. So you, we kind of briefly touched on that in the debate. You know, if I want to go through 20 different sets of pitching mechanics, over the top, back and forth, whatever, behind my back. I'm going to try to pay attention to where my hand is and then have to be super aware of the target and if I executed the task. 
So I'm not sure if that's exactly what you're aiming for, but the awareness aspect, like where the ball went, tying it back to where I released the ball and figuring out problems, problem solving that task. If I'm trying to hit the same, the same spot over and over and over again, you got to continue to problem solve that. Um, and I feel like the release point is maybe what you're mainly asking for. So you're mildly yeah. consistency in the release point. Yeah, we, say it, we that, say it almost the same way too, by the way. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think is what I'm trying to get at is I think that's what we have in common. I think the, the awareness of the hand, and I think it's my biggest, my biggest flaw in, in the over-reliance on creating the other movements. Cause I know that the movements will make getting the hand where it needs to be easier. Right. Like I know that their inconsistency of like when their foot hits the ground, how their foot hits the ground and how that makes it hard to get the hand to the release point consistently. Right. Like, so when I think of, I, I literally have no idea how you threw, but I probably have a really good guess of how you move to do what you're talking about. Right. So you probably didn't have a ton of backside move because you had the leg kick. And so you created great angles created a lot of momentum into foot strike, which would give you velo, right? And you probably stopped really well on your front side and timed that well. And you could do that over and over and over again. And the reason why that makes a lot of sense is because that actually doesn't take a lot of calories. We've talked about this. So if you're trying to do what you're doing, I I don't know, Dustin, does that, I mean, maybe you didn't have a a strong front side, but like, is that a fair assessment of like what you probably did? Yeah, that's actually pretty good, actually. I mean, my, my lead leg would lock out. Like, it would lock out lock. It would lock to release. And I, I didn't yeah. – my pitching coach did not teach me that. Like, he didn't teach me to do that. Um, and I never really paid attention to that until I started seeing still shots. I'm like, dang, like, my leg's, like, freaking hyperextended here. And I'm like, I'm yeah. in slot. Um, that, that was interesting for me. And, again, honestly, I felt like my, my movement – optimized itself through the repetition so while i was learning to yes. do stuff all this stuff on camera like i was saying in the beginning like going back looking at this looking at, i mean i look like trash like i look like a, <laughs> the most robotic trash looking mechanics ever trying to create this aesthetic but i didn't really start finding myself until i realized i just want to I, I was complacent with what i thought i created mechanically i was like all right i can throw the ball i can throw it at a, at a pace i'm comfortable with i'm going to leave it alone I'm going to let, I want my movement to be unconscious. Like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have to think about my movement. And I think that should be a goal of any pitcher. Nobody, nobody should have to think about their movement. That's not fun. That does not, that is not fun. You just want to go out there and pitch. Blitz ballers aren't thinking about X, Y, and Z. Like they're just out there throwing the ball. So that's (laughs) the most fun part for me was like working on throwing it where I wanted it to go. Like, I just like, I want to keep doing this. I don't want to have to focus on my mechanics. So over those hundreds of pitches, I feel like my body just the way I was physically designed just started optimizing the, the most efficient way. And it's like, we won't, we won't give the players that type of opportunity. It's like, save your bullets. Don't throw too much. Don't do this. Don't X like, can't do that. It's like, you never, I mean, but, but it sounds reckless for me to say, Hey, all right, let's build your workload to 250 pitches today. Like that's, that sounds reckless too, but the Japanese do it. They don't have any arm injuries. Not not when they're not until they're introduced to our way of life, at least. So um, I don't know. I just have a different. I don't know. I just it just seems. No, you, you I think you're directly you... in line with us, by the way. I don't think different. I think you're with a lot more people than you think. There's so many more people. 
dust there are so many more people than you think that think like that man it's yeah. just we we have to create our own little coalition over here and be like yeah. hey the game is the important part like yeah. right you know we we bring unicorns in for a reason right <laughs> bring this you know we, uh cass and i are talking about it um uh who was it cast that said that the 88 mile an hour pitch is coming back um I don't remember Wagner. Wow, uh, Wagner. Brett Wagner. Brett no, Wagner, right? And so he was. So um, this is our version of the location part, right? Of what um, three dimensional pitching kind of is what we call it right here, where we have our fast, slow stuff, speeding up, slowing down, up, down, in and out, everything from there. And then that was the visual velocity component that you beat us to. That we were, of course, we were on the same page because it sounds yeah. like we're. It's it literally sounds like we all work together right now because that's you know we're the feel to the hand and everything. And so, um, oh my God, I forgot where I was going with that. But so the, the interesting part that I find in, in all of this is, is it just comes back to play, you know, and, and blitzball pitching coaches as a minor league, I, I just find that blitzballs could, could be so much better than T-ball and, and minor league ball. And like, cause it, there's a certain point of the game and it's like, I told, I told family members recently, they're like, oh, we're going to get them ready for T-ball. I go, don't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's a waste Seriously. of your time. It's a waste of your time. If you want to do the photo, go buy the gear and take it in the backyard. Like, he's not going to have fun. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Uh, and then, because yeah, the game, I, you know, I, it's just too slow, too. right? Yeah, I for sure. The same thing. You know what I mean? Having things appropriate at the beginning, right? So, you know, the game, you shouldn't play catch with your kid as the first way that they throw. And you don't, right? The kids two or three and they're chucking things around. Like they're just picking up vegetables and throwing them across, right? And then it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden we buy them their first glove and now they should be able to catch it and we're supposed to have a catch. It's like, that's crazy. That's outrageous, right? So like, and so that's what's so fun. We uh, the we have, we have a six-year-old that, that trained for his first time last week and he had an older sister that was in our facility and that's how he knows about us. But this, this created some big conversation, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is the kid is scared as soon as we get away from the target, right? So we have him right next to the target, and he can see himself in the radar gun. This is every six, seven, eight-year-old that hasn't been in, in around people throwing hard, right? And they don't know how to throw hard. They, they've never been allowed to throw hard because it's always this game of catch, right? So every single person has to go through this, this anxiety, just like seeing 90 miles an hour for the first time. Every, it's just a learning curve. Um, and, and so the, the sooner, the, the younger you are where you can throw 200 pitches and stay focused enough to actually throw 200 pitches, do it. Like, of course, do that. And, and, and I always make this argument about young kids and running guns. Like, look at every little eight-year-old boy. If you don't tell them what to do, they're going to be jumping off the house. <laughs> like, they don't care and they're not going to die. They're probably going to break something. But if you let them do that, if they, if you actually let little boys run around and do what they would do, they would, they would constantly be kind of getting hurt, but they would, they would become little monkeys. And I mean that in the most sincere, genuine way, right? Because they're built. That's what they're good at, at that age. Right. And so that's the time to let them throw not 200 pitches in the, the game, like right. 200 pitches in the, the, the blitz ball game in the game with dad like this is how you build a great relationship with your kid 
have enough patience to get 90 minutes into a game with them. Like, you know what I mean? And that, and that's where, that's all the work that you, you know what I mean? The implications are huge. I love, go ahead. No, I love that. I think it's great. And just to clarify, you know, the, the, the pitch counts, the, the absurd pitch counts that I was, that I was doing, they weren't a hundred percent effort. You know, no, I want very I, low effort. It was more like, listen, I want to go out and I just want to throw a lot. That's, that's all I wanted to do is just throw. Like I can't throw a lot if I'm maxing out my intensity every time. Like I'm just, that's not going to allow me to work as much as I want to work. Mm-hmm. Like I want to work, I want to work for two hours on this. Like, what do I got to do to do that? And it's like, obviously you got to bring your intensity down. God forbid you say that today. God forbid oh, you say that on social media. I mean, I just feel like there's value there. Like, let's just oh, I love it. Have a chance to work through their mechanics a lot and see what they can find. Dude, we gotta. I, I want to steal that. Just like we need to have a day, like a two hundred, a two hundred throw day. Like, hey, uh, Dustin, I I threw one hundred and twenty nine pitches yesterday, and I'm fine. <laughs> at, by the way, at max effort, at max effort. Right? That would be the goal. That would be the goal, though. But I just, right. Okay. So that idea, like we've played around with this idea a lot. And I think that if you compare this to like a long toss and put those in the same camp and the consistency is you're constantly throwing, right? So you're constantly throwing. So you're staying warmed up. You're staying where you're at. I think where the issues are the stop go, right? If you do the innings, I go over here and sit and then, and then get human rain delayed because we scored eight runs and then come back. And then now I'm like, right. And so I, I started doing plyos in between innings and stuff when I was doing stuff. But when I just go, I just literally feel like I'm long tossing. And it's just one after another, one after another. Perfect. And now that we have the radar gun there, the radar gun tells me when I'm tired, when I can't get back up to the speed that I'm at and I'm dropping three, four miles an hour. Okay, I know. I can't. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was 88, 91 yesterday for a long time. And then I was like, couldn't get over 87. I'm like, all right, well, that's uh, – probably the end of the power you know that's that's probably where it is it's kind of cool okay it's kind of cool to learn that about yourself though right you're like you're like yeah. man i feel like i'm starting to get i feel like i'm starting to break down and then and you I, can get back like that intuitive thing like you're learning yeah. about like, what you can and can't do your limitations exactly. did you ever have I, that I don't at all when to, you were go ahead Cass. Uh, I, I just because i'm gonna pump you up so let me because <laughs> this is what john Sintez is such a good example of how he exists. He exists, still existing. He could still be a number five starter on a big league team now. And, and like, I have, I will fight anybody for that because anybody, any team would love him as that position. Like it, it just, it's, it's a no brainer and it's not even close. He's not even close to having a conversation. Do you know what I mean? They, they have no idea. And, and that's okay. And I know that he's way over it. But the point is, is that like, th- just seeing the Vance Worley coming into our place, like, there, th- maybe I just don't get it. I don't know. But like, the fact that the conversations around the people that I know around the game are just so like, what's going on here? Well, how do they how are people, uh, you know, understanding talent? Because then I see the, the, the literally the kids in, you know, the kids in the minors you're talking about a lifelong journey of becoming a pitcher, a lifelong journey. And, and so I think they really don't understand talent the way they need to, because yes, it does. It's a young game, but it's an old game too. And you're taking away teams. Like what, what, what? There's too many things that don't make sense. 
Yeah. I don't know, man. So, so anyway, I, I'm just going there because it's, what do we got to do to keep the conversation going? Like, why isn't this conversation more obvious? You know what I mean? It's like, you, you can write a book about it and people don't even know to pick it up. That's okay. And I'm, I'm okay with that because that's how I live my life. Like I was like, listen, I'm going to throw a sidearm. I'm going to throw the speed I want. And I'm going to dominate. Like that's just the way my mind works. So like I was, well, I'm out there just to help the guys that, that are looking for it. For yeah, me, for sure. I mean, but on social media, for whatever, like people seem to like it. <laughs> people seem to like like the stuff I put out. It's interesting. It's like, I'm not trying to be bipolar. It's just like, it's like, People seem to maybe see some value and whatever it is I put out, but yeah. I, I think it's really important to make the idea or premise of, of the talent evaluation or development it more balanced. Like it's not one or the other. And I'm trying to do the best I can to continue to research my, the, my process of like myelination, like, and how that could help you optimize and optimizing movement is ultimately what any pitcher should want to do. A guy who eventually throws 100 or a guy whose max intensity only allows him to throw 85. Like, that should be everyone's goal. So I think it's just the way that I put it out definitely doesn't come off the way I want it to. <laughs> and I think it's just trying to find that language and, and terminology that, that makes sense to everybody without sounding too, like, scaly. Like, you know, it's like it's like this or that. And I definitely come off – like, a, I know I don't come off the way I mean to <laughs> – no, I think I disagree completely. I agree. I, I think that you, the the argument that you're making is exactly what it should be happening. I don't think you should censor yourself or do anything because we're directly in line with everything that you said. Because it comes back to the game. That's not the only reason why you should, but that's a reason. Wait, no, for sure. Like, but I'm just saying, I, I, I want to support this. Like, send us the information on the book. Like, I would love to help you get that stuff out there because that is that that's those stories. It's the stories that we're that we're missing and stuff. Like, you don't hear about Greg Maddox, how long it took him to develop that ridiculous two seam. Like how long did it take him? Like what, what, what you just woke up one day and your ball ran three feet to the right. Like what, you know what I mean? Like, and then knowing how much effort that I put into like really developing my cutter and my other pitches is like, it's a constant idea and struggle to find the consistent, like one thing that, that I think is, is very hard to do is, you know, all of these baseballs that happen with stuff as you, with, high school and college, right? The baseballs that, that you throw are different almost at every ballpark. So if you get a diamond baseball and then you go play with a Wilson baseball and you're on the road, like that ball's not going to spin the same. And there is a learning curve that goes into that, but everybody thinks this game is easy and you could just throw the ball where you want. And like, we, we look at, like, look at Cole, for example, right? I posted this video uh, for just absolute bait, you know, and you would probably love it, but it was on purpose. Cause I'm a, I'm a location effort guy like i get it it's executing the pitch it's but also the i do know the faster you throw the more room from error error you have and but that but you can also make the same argument for the greater speed range that you have the more room for error you have too right so there, you know that's why when you you hear these these big leaguers talking about well he's just hard hard his fastball's hard his slider's hard so I don't really have to make a big adjustment or really sit on that because it's just like, I know the speed is what's going to be and it's either going to be here or there, you know? And so they kind of figured out the game. And so your perspective and your idea of it is Cole throws setups fastball away to uh, Cho for um, the Rays in the playoffs and pull Yank all the way inside corner, almost hit the umpire in the knee. 
and Cho is sitting fastball away, but it, it's inside, and you can see him like cheating because it's a hundred, and he swings completely over the top of it by like a foot, and he's nowhere close. And I go, "What about location? What are we talking about?" You know? And yeah. so everybody went nuts. Oh, you know, I'm like, oh, you don't, you don't understand. Like, if he'd have hit a spot, and the guy guessed right, maybe it would have been a foul ball or whatever. But because he just on this one particular one, closed his eyes, lost, you know, pull yanked it. He still threw it over the plate and it worked. Right. But and, this is also, but yeah. this is also, Justin already talked about it. Like you can also have a different objective in that yeah. moment. Right. And so like John, the other day, he had a ton of arm side movement. And so he was having his catcher set up there as like a visual of where it's going to go. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm throwing it at that, but I know it's going to run here and he's not thinking about it. He's just, Oh, pick that one, press that button, and then go throw it. You know, and that's that can't happen if you're stuck on the, oh, I don't want my ball to move like that, and then changing it, right? Like, that's how my ball is moving today. This is how I'm, you know, same thing at the golf course. Right. Well, that's funny because I, I, one of the chapters in my book is focal points. It's like that, that exact thing. Like, there's a whole chapter dedicated to, like, what you're picking up visually. <laughs> Just goes. read the book. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean – but you're right. Like the ball might, with what you just said, like the seams might be different. The moisture might be different in the air. It's like making the ball do different. Maybe you got a headwind. You know, some people are like, I don't want to pitch with a headwind. The guy's going to freaking hit it over the fence. Or no. Dude, throw a freaking change up or breaking ball. It's going to move more. Oh, like, Cutter like, nation with the headwind, bro. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, like, there's so many more to the game. That, like people, Knuckle ball? Oh. Yeah. Wasn't that a thing with um, uh, um, Wakefield? I want to say there was a day in Boston, and it was like a swirly day there, and he was throwing knuckleballs, and he, I think it was one of the days he almost threw a no-hitter or something. He's throwing it over there. Yeah, he's <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. – I mean, he had nasty knuckleball anyway. But No, no, it's funny because, like, I mean, I, I, I felt like I commanded at a high rate personally, but I still missed. Like, I missed and got away with plenty of strikeouts. Like, I, that happens. Like, and but the thing is, like, when you miss that knowledge you talked about, like the effective velocity and like where the ball went, like you got to pay attention to what happened. Like, it'll give you more information. Um, a lot of times, I know I would miss more when I really tried to like ramp intensity and like right, I'm gonna really try to like add that extra two percent and like the ball like it just didn't feel it the same way. And sometimes it would, the percentage probably was still higher of it going where it needed to go than somebody who didn't have that type of feel. But I would still miss. Like nobody's perfect. Yeah. It's impossible to be perfect. Um, so, but analyzing. It's overrated too. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, there's there's just so many things to talk about. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, it's fun though because that's where yeah. this this debate right here, this thing is is like, well, just like we, we in our debate, right, that question that they asked us, we were like, well, that's not even – like, that's not the story. That's not the right question to be asking here, right? Like, what you could have just – you could have basically said, like, well, who's more valuable, pitcher or hitter? And we'd have been like, like <laughs> I don't well, understand what that question is. You know? right, but and, and also, but I think, you know, I know that there were some also conversations about why some people might not want to do it. And I think it's because you can actually do this as an educational thing. Like, you got to – I think there's so many people that want to just, like, you know, public radio it and, and that actually, I think there's a big audience for that. And I think that's the point, right? I mean, you see it with the ABCA podcast and, and, and I'm, I'm just, there's more room for things like that. Right. Yeah. And, and the, and the, um, Jonathan Gellner's uh, head of the curve. 
right? But he does a lot of pitching coaches, or excuse me, just actual on the field coaches. Do you know what I mean? And um, and that's great too. But there's a lot of there's a lot of private entities like us that aren't that big. Um, that are that's good stuff. I mean, my buddy Garrett Retka, like this dude is he's one of the best hitting minds in the country. And he has like 12 clients and is an assistant hitting coach. Like find these people, right? There's such a market for this, these stories. So for whatever it's worth, man, like the, the things that I hear in your story, like it's fun from a geeky standpoint to like dig in and out of what we think and what we don't think. But like the, I'm still my biggest takeaway on every level is just like how genuine your experience has been and that's that's so cool and that's so valuable every person in the world needs to hear that um because it's just so it's it's not common it's good to hear you say that because it's like i i I talk about myself on twitter sometimes it's like uh, that's just my experience though like because i feel like i can't just use my experience because it's it's my experience that's that's where the value is though i know but you know what i mean like no i agree I i agree yeah for sure Obviously, it was a unicorn experience. I did it by design, but it was the way it was my plan. Like I, I yeah. blueprinted it the way it, I wanted. And it. Yeah. all credit to you, bro. It worked. All, all credit to you. Look, yeah, exactly. Look at the career of the whole thing, right? It's yeah, you're yeah. I mean, again, and that's what I wanted it to do. But it's it's just uh, let me let me say it another way, and maybe this will maybe I'll do that. You can't yeah, tell for me. sure. You know what I mean. Well, let me let me make another example quick, and maybe you'll be more at peace of it, right? So, because it sounds like you're as much of a fanboy as we are, okay? When when somebody like Nolan Ryan goes on MLB Network and he doesn't talk mechanics and he talks about his experiences and the pitches and maybe Robin Ventura or all those things, that idea, the story, that's what you're talking about. And so, like, that's the information we want to hear, right? For for some people, some people like Cass would much rather go into the movement side of things if they had if they had a preference of what's going on. But you and I are talking about the autopilot and the other stuff. That, that allow us to approach the game, which should be the ultimate goal, right? For everything. So, you know, I, I say just keep going, man, because your your experience of the whole thing, it, it's a lost art. I mean, who, the the guy, like you said, we're the same age. I had a Leo Mazzoni pitching book. It was the only guy my dad found. Like that, as we, we, and my dad's not a baseball guy. Yeah. And we got it at like the, the Books a Million or whatever it was. Shout out to closed out books a million. Uh, yeah. uh, but th- I just remember that. And I, and I read all the pages and they had the photos of all the pitches and the grips and all the workouts that, they, that he had the guys do and everything. And I just remember being like, this is unbelievable. This is this guy's brain. And I was like, you know, I think I was like 12 or 13 years old and I was just geeking out about it. But there was no community to share that with. Like, yeah. go talk to that with my little league teammate. And he's like, what are you talking about? Who's Leo yeah. Mazzoni? Yeah. You know, I don't even, is he a transformer? Like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I think you're right. Like, uh, like I created what I'm doing cause it is kind of niche and like, but the, the way the world is now, like, I mean, if I was growing up, like my, my model picture was Mike Benefro. I'm not sure if you've heard that name, yes. his yes. name was Moneyball, but a funny story. He, when I finished my career, he was a pro scout for San Diego and I was in my last week with San Diego before they released me uh, in triple from triple A camp. And I was finishing up my, my throwing session, and this this guy was standing by the fence. He's like, hey, Dustin, come here. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I figured it was like a fan or something. I don't know. He's like, how are you doing? I'm Mike Venifro. I heard a lot about you. He's like, it's pretty cool that you're out here, you know, you throw a sidearm. I was like, I love you. I was like, oh, my God. 
Um, because he he was like five foot ten, lefty sidearm, eighty five miles an hour, big leagues. Like he was the guy I wanted to uh, to try to be like. And again, it's just if he like let's say he like wrote a book or something when he was a big like I would have been all over that. Like I would that would have been entirely incredibly niche. But like you have you have things like sidearm nation now. Like uh, yeah. Jeffrey created sidearm nation. Like people want to learn about experiences. I think it's just for me it's getting over that hurdle of talking more about my own personal experience um, to, to get us through to more people. I don't know. Well, it sounds like we're doing more podcasts. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, that's where I think it is though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan and every time he has someone intriguing on that and I can pick up a nugget or wherever it is, I'm just like, yeah. this is exactly what baseball should be doing. That's what I love Bowers watch momentum stuff because it's yeah, like, it's, it's from the guy. It's yeah. from it's not from his PR or his agent. Right. It's literally he's just having a conversation with yeah. his agent or whoever he's talking to. And he's like, he he had a CEO of some accounting cloud-based service of the guy and they had a business conversation. I was just listening to him. This guy's talking about venture capitalists and getting investors and all this stuff. And I'm like, Bauer's going, like, I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm with Bauer. I'm like, dude, I told like you just you raised like the Imagining ninety-two million dollars as a, like an actual thing to my brain, it's like I don't, I don't even know. What that <laughs> I have no idea what that means at all. But and that's what Bauer was saying too. And and so I, I totally resonate because there's just there's different information for me. At least I know how I learn. And 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 when I hear it, I see it, and somebody's telling their experience and their story, and I can it just validates so much more, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so it, it just it means a lot. So don't stop to keep well, it going. Yeah, I talk like- about. It means a lot from to hear you guys say it too. It's just, it's, uh, it's good because again, you guys are in the same type of line of work, and we get the meet on the debate. And no, it's good. It's, it's good to hear that. And you guys I have, are doing. You know, I do stuff. have another question. Um, you know, I know we're going to wrap it up a little bit, but do you have like one pitch that you can remember from your pro pro career? Where it was like, oh, I executed that perfectly. Ooh, um, like that maybe. Could... Yeah, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of yeah. mine. I I remember being. Um, I got brought in in Mazatlan and the highest level I got to in winter ball was in the Pacific league over there. And I loved it. It was so much fun. The best team I had ever been on. I threw all the time. And I remember I was first out of the pen with Sergio Romo and Oliver Perez behind me. And so I just, they would, it was so much fun to literally be like, I would see it happen in the fifth or sixth. They'd bring this lefty in. He wouldn't do his job. He'd give up a double. And they're like, I don't be like, all right, here we go. I know what's happening. But I just think you remember being like game five facing the, um, Michael Bourgeois is his name. And I run him to a three, two count. And I hadn't, I'd been saving this front door cutter. And I'm like, all right, this is ugh. either you walk them and they tie the game or you go down by your best pitch. So here it is, you know? And I remember two outs, bases loaded, runners moving. And I'm just got to get my best one. And I just nasty 84 off the elbow, dropped it right in, threw it up. God, I was so jacked. We were on the road <laughs> in Mazatlan. We ended up winning the game. I think I threw like an inning and a third, right? But that experience, right? Yeah. Like I remember, I, so you said something earlier, and this is where I like the, the explain the whole thing, right? The, being able to go to that spot with all of the senses like you were talking about. Like I remember mm-hmm. it was humid. It was hot. I, I remember it was weirdly windy and hot. Like there was Gosh. this weird human thing going there. There was a hazy light. I remember a giant backstop. And then I also remember the concert level music that never stopped, never stopped. And Michael Bourgeois was a change of pace because he was an American dude. And he walked out to Dre and I love Dre, <laughs> I was, right? So like when I'm warming up, they're playing his song. 
right? And it's Forgot About Dre. And I'm like, this dude has no idea how excited I am right now that this song is on. I am in this situation. Like, you can't, you can't build that. Like, you can't just dream it up. It's just like, I got, this is where it is, right? This is what's going to happen. And so that is just, I'll, I'll never forget that. And so I like to take that experience to our kids there and just be like, this is going to happen to you. I know nobody's going to talk about it, but you're going to be put in a weird bases loaded two out situation. And how do you, how do you handle it? Have you been, have you even processed this? Yes. So I guess I have one. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to give it as exuberantly as you did, but um, I, I can try. Um, Let's yeah, do it. So there's one pitch, one play that, I'll, that will offer, I'll probably forever remember. And it was uh it was my only my first week in pro ball. So it was my first week with Winnipeg gold eyes. So, um, as many, hopefully many people are familiar with, there's a lot of big leaguers that play. In the I had league. three starts with them. Yes. Okay. There you yeah, go. You, yeah. you, you definitely get it. So, um, this was my first week coming from a small college. So I was just still getting comfortable with the crowds and the noise and the people and the environment. And, um, for me, uh, we, we were down in Kansas city. So we we're playing against the T-bones. And um, for anybody who remembers the name of Calvin Pickering, he was a big leaguer for the Orioles, played there for two, three seasons, pretty good. Big left-handed hitter, uh, power guy. I remember watching him play at Camden Yards when I was growing up. So it was a little bit, you know, it's just those types of juices are flowing. Anyway, he's playing for Kansas City. Um, I'm, I am what I am. I'm a lefty that needs to get lefties out. And uh, he hit two home runs in the game. So he was already two for, I think he was two for three with two bombs, and it was towards the end of the game, and the game was tied with bases loaded with two outs. And I needed to come in. I was brought into the game to face Calvin Pickering. Um, now, I was still kind of on the cusp of, like, just trying to prove myself to, to be on this team, you know, coming from where I did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a hot night. It was a tight situation. The the crowd was packed. It was it was a tight. You know they needed. They I think it was tie, it was a tie game. So the bases were loaded with two outs. Um, he already hit two bombs, and uh, we get to a, we get to a full count. And you know, no matter how many pitches you throw in life, you know, with you where you feel like your command is good. I'm not sure anything prepares you for for the type of th those types of pitches. You know, yeah. the way you feel you can't you can't. It's incredibly hard to recreate those feelings. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be a fastball away. I missed fastball in, swung through it, strike three, got out of the inning. We went on to win the game. And <laughs> that was uh, probably one of the biggest pitches I made early on in my pro career. And it was a miss. And uh, I'm not afraid to say that because we got <laughs> so. Well, we know um, you have a late life with a lot of run from down it, there. It, so, uh, it, I'm it, sure. It wasn't a strike. It was out of the strikes and he still swung at it, but it was, it was a strikeout. So I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? Why didn't you? But I, I just think those stories are just, yeah, they're very important to, to relay to, to some of the kids, because if you can have them start latching onto those, there's a, there's a lot of memory building there that you can do. Cause I, I remember later on in playoffs coming into another weird situation and being like, here we go again. This is almost the same thing, you know? And so it just, you just get more comfortable in that fire, you know, right in the trenches where it's like, well, yes. you know, I did this last night. I did this the night before. Like it's almost the same hitter. You right. know what I mean? And I'm sure with, in your situation with, you are such a niche guy that you're coming in facing a big donkey lefty and you're going to just, here you go, here you go, here you go. Right. So as time uh, goes on, you get more comfortable, but nothing oh, prepared me for that first one. It's, yeah, it's hard yeah to exactly.
Yeah, I, I, that's funny that, you know, the first one, I, I haven't thought about that one. The first one's good because I, I don't know, I've, I've had a bunch of really fun uh, moments like that. You know, I, uh, I think my first in winter ball was um, against Culiacan. And like, so before I go down to winter ball to that big league down there, I start doing more research and you start finding out the history of all these programs and, and these like cool the pacific league's been going on for like 85 years or something like that and like the way mexico does their sports is just it's amazing like lebron's thing of nike thing in cleveland every city has the same version of that for all of their sports all of their billboards are all sports and they're all about the faces and the guys and there's a guy named sal soto i'll never forget him but he's the face of two different franchises for summer and winter and i remember when i first met him it was he was standing in front of his advertisement at the ballpark. And I was like, yeah, that's you. You're you're this guy. You are a hundred foot version of yourself. Right. And he was a six, five guy, but what what I really find unique about him is he just retired at like 43 this year and he's never not played in the Mexican league since he was 17. And so I, I saw him turn on a hundred multiple times. And then I remember being like, dude, you're, how do you do this? And he goes, I haven't seen a hundred since I was, 17, 18 years old. Like just that's the only level that I've ever played. It's just in the summer, the guys throw 90 plus and in the winter guys pull 95 to hundred. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I just go back and forth. I'm like, that's crazy. And yeah. so like he had multiple sick houses in each location because he was the guy in Aguas Calientes and he was the guy in Los Mochis. And it's like, Oh, you and your family just pick up and go six months here. And then six months here, and all you've done for 25 years is do that. So that's crazy. Let's see, like those, it's information, you know? Those stories, man, they, 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 they mean something. It's good. Cool. Well, you look, we've been crushing it hour 25. I think that's probably enough for us today. You know, I don't want to hit you, um, but I appreciate it. Once you, uh, so let's, let's promote the book. Let's get you out there, the website, the new yep. podcast. We're probably going to start after this. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> all of your stuff. Oh, he froze. Oh, he did. It's Location Nation with a K on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, that's where he does most of his content. Um, I don't even know what his Instagram is. Well, uh, uh, I know. Okay, so it's. Let me... Well, you, 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 we have all of his contact information. It's Dustin Peace. It's Location Nation. Um, you, he's easy to contact, really. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. There we go. Not sure what happened. Um, yeah, not on episode 92 like you guys, but uh, we're on episode eight uh, with the Location Nation podcast. You can find that pretty much anywhere. We just got on the iHeart, um, Stitcher. Um, the host knows more than me with the, with where we can be found, but um, just type in Location Nation uh, podcast, uh, all one word. And then you guys can find me on Location Nation, Location Nation with a K on Twitter, um, Instagram. And I do have a Facebook page and a YouTube page. Um, they need some more attention, but most uh, most of my stuff is coming through Twitter. And uh, you can find my book at www.locationnation.com. It's right there on the front page. You can kind of find your way over to it. Um, there's some information on it there, and uh, that's basically 40 pages dedicated to acquiring high rate of skill pitching command. And the back end of the e guide is a six week throwing program. So you guys can find some stuff there on that. And uh, look forward to communicating and engaging with you guys more. Yeah, definitely. This is we we Thanks, gotta get Dustin. we gotta get our our round table of these people. I mean, there's 
too much fun stories and things to to get into you know i agree i agree cool. i gotta send you guys a couple shirts if you send me a hat oh dude for sure yeah we'll do full-on trade so we'll exchange definitely. the addresses yeah 100 100 percent. all right guys we'll appreciate it go check out dustin uh give him a follow and listen to the podcast i know i'm um, i've already i just went to subscribe right now so appreciate it thanks man uh you have a good one you guys don't forget to uh subscribe please like and follow our podcast too and how we're growing i, I love it Appreciate it again. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah.